1: Welcome to the Dr. Donna podcast here on the Experience of the Soul podcast channel, innovative evidence-based recovery that helps to identify intergenerational trauma, allowing for freedom and embracement of the healing process. Today, episode 109, Aging, part four, and now your host, Dr. Donna Bevanley. This
2: is Dr. Donna. Welcome to my podcast. We're talking about one of the final issues about, uh, you know, life on life's terms, and that is dying. That's the last thing you ever do. And last time I was talking about, I I made reference to this book called The Swedish Art of Aging Exuberantly. And, you know, I just want to say that Margareta Magnusson is a genius, (laughs) You know, she her books are short; they're a fast read, they're easy to go through. Um, but like so many things that are, you know, really powerful, um, everything she says has meaning, has relevance. And I'm going to just go through the chapters. Just say a little bit about the chapters here, because each and every one has meaning if you are going to. You know, deal with the fact that you're, we're all dying, but especially if you're aging, you you are going to die. You are not going to outlive death. Sorry. I mean, you might have some near death experiences and come back, but at some point, your last breath will be taken. Um, her first one is have a gin and tonic with a friend. Well, I don't drink and I don't suggest people start drinking. I have a friend who meets with her, with two of her friends every Thursday night and they have dinner on zoom because they all live in different parts of the country. So they all get their dinner together and they all have dinner on zoom. And I think that's pretty cool. I, I don't have that, you know, I have dinner with other people in, in real life, but, um, Saying, you know, I have that good a friend that I'm going to be in contact with at least once a week. And that means phone calls. Make phone calls. We have Zoom now. I mean, we can do this on, you know, face to face. Um, You know, it's easy to get from place to place. Even if you don't drive, you can have someone drive you or you can take a train or a bus. Or plane to see your friends, and that's what this means. You know, one of the most important aspects of aging is not is to avoid isolation. Now, I have read several good studies that all address this issue of isolation in aging, and what it does is it, it ends your life in a sad and broken way, but it's also, you know, the last part of your life doesn't need to be in desperation and isolation. And so, when she talks about having gin and tonic with a friend, I don't think she's really talking about go drink with your friends. She's talking about nurture those relationships that you have. For one thing, If there are people who are also aging, they're going to die. And, you know, you want to have good memories of your friends. When you had conversations with them, when you had, you know, meetings with them, when you had dinner with them. If you're going to have friendships, you must nurture them. And what that means is that you take time, attention, and energy to talk to them, to see them, to listen to them, to be interested in them, to have conversations with them. Okay? And that takes time and energy. It's just like when I used to talk about parenting. Good parenting boils down to time, attention, and energy. If you want your children to grow up to be you know, safe, secure, and uh, contributing people. They need to have a sense of self that is positive. And when you give them time, attention, and energy in what it is that they are doing, you have, you know, you help create this. And you have a connection with them as you age with you know if you don't give them time attention and energy what makes you think they want to spend time with you now right but you can nurture your friendships in that same way give them time attention and energy um like i said the world is always ending always ending You know, I lived through the Cuban crisis. I, I lived through a really terrible beginning. I mean, I was, I was born way too small, sick. And, you know, they, they didn't really have incubators where we were. And so they, they told my parents to take me home. I was in a shoebox and you know, open the oven and turn on the oven on low and just let me lay there for a while. You know, I think I mentioned before they had to feed me every 15 minutes with an eyedropper. I was just sick and not well and not completely cooked. And so, you know, in my world, the world was always ending the day I was born. And it was still threatening and frightening until I finally got big enough that my body worked for me. But then living through measles, chicken pox, mumps, let's see, many cases of the flu. Uh, We had, oh, rheumatic fever, that was a fun one. Hepatitis, that was a fun one. Like, we were always sick. We didn't have vaccines then. I fortunately did not get polio. My uncle did, but I didn't. Um, so, you know, we had all those diseases and it was really hard on us. It was really hard on my mother. Uh, so then we went through all those diseases. Then we went through, uh, we also, you know, I also went through Chernobyl and you know, some earthquakes and some serious storms got hit by lightning when I was 17. I mean, these are all things it's like you you go through and you might even have near death experiences. Um, When you have a near death experience, I want to tell you, it changes the way you live your life. It changes the way you look at your life. And I think everybody That has gone through a near death experience will tell you the same thing. And so, you know, if I hope it doesn't take you to have a near death experience in order to really look at your life and say, what brings me joy today? You know, what can I do for others? What brings me joy? Almost everybody I know these days says what brings me the most joy is doing things for other people. And, you know, that might be people in your own family. It might be strangers. It might be working in the food bank, whatever. But it is, it is more about me putting out there than me getting something back or me just closing myself off. I said isolation. Is one of the main causes of death, early death of old people. And, you know, if you want to avoid that, you want to nurture your relationships that you have, but also go out and give to others. Okay, just volunteer, give to others. It always, there's always something that comes back to you. And if that's the reason you do it that's fine it still works um (laughs) one of the things she says is take care of your hair if you have any (laughs) and you know the reason for that is that you know it's like that's just the, the chapter but the fact is is that when we age we sag we have wrinkles so if you have skin that is working for you make sure you you take care of it moisturize it put sunblock on it when you're outside take care of your hair take care of your skin take care of your body and that means you have a good diet doesn't have to be perfect it doesn't have to be a lot but it needs to be you know fruits and vegetables are really good and you know, some kind of protein, really good. And I know for some people that's hard to get, you know, when you're older. Um, but you can always get it from Meals on Wheels, from food banks, if you don't have the resources. Okay? There's always a way. For most of us. One of the things is to treat. Little children and big children and grandchildren as you want to be treated. So if you want them to pay attention to you, you pay attention to them. You give them time attention and energy and they relate you'll have relationships with them. And it's a way to build respect. <laughs> so there are so many tips on aging gracefully. And, and that is the, you know, the end of, of our lives. It's like you don't have to do everything, all these tips for aging. And you've heard me talk about the, you know, the, the surgical things that people do to try and prevent themselves from looking old and, You know, it is my belief, my attitude, my bias that this is really not good for you. Okay, first of all, how many surgeries can you possibly have before it screws up? It will screw up. I've seen it in my life. I've talked to people where, oh, dear, that was a mistake. And you can't do anything about it. That is not good. Okay. And if any of you have ever gone under the knife, surgical procedure, you know, in that, you know, uh, release that they have you sign, they say right there one of the most dangerous aspects of surgery is anesthesia. So every time you go under, you are playing with the end. Now, when we age, we have more medical stuff for the most part than we did when we were young. So we got that anyway. We don't need to add to that on purpose. Um, you know, just like keeping an open mind. That's kind of hard because as we age, we get more, uh, Kind of rigid in our way of thinking. But the way we can age and not feel bad all the time is to keep an open mind. You know, for me, I try and remember, you know, when I see young people like, stop social security, you know, or which please don't do that. Um, It's like, stop. Funding that so much, right? I, I understand. You know, I try and have an open mind about that. It's hard because it would impact me a lot. But I remember being a, you know, protesting the Vietnam War. I remember women's rights. And at the time that was something, it's like people were, don't do that. Go home. If you don't like this country, you can leave it. I mean, we were getting all kinds of flack. But try and keep an open mind. Keeping an open mind when you're dying helps it. You know, it helps to keep an open mind, I think, about the actual experience of death. Now, of course, I'm still living, so who knows. But like I said, I've been with people. Many people have died. And the ones who are really rigid about, I know, you know, God's going to be there or someone's going to be there, whatever. It's like they are, they're more frightened about it. It's like I, the only thing, the only thing I know for sure about dying is that nobody knows what that's like. Because even if you have a near death experience, you came back. So you don't really know if there's something later. I mean, I've heard people talk about the light and going through these. I've read the near-death experience books that people have written because I'm curious. But so far, (laughs) nobody has written a book on the other side. So I don't really know if there's another side. Because no one has really ever come and said, hey, guess what? There's another side. So I think, all right. When I breathe my last breath, the only thing I know for sure is that that last breath is my last breath. I'm not waking up. I'm not going to wake up and have new wisdom to share with the world. I'm going to be gone. And that I know for sure. And so when I think about dying and, you know, I'm talking about aging now, dying when you're aging, but dying, if you're a young person too, and you know that you've, you know, you're going to die soon or something, most young people, they don't think about dying <laughs> And when they do, they think about their aging parents or their aging aunts and uncles or old people in general. They don't think about, oh, this could happen to me any minute. But it can and it does. It's just more common in my age group. Okay, so when I think about dying. And I would like for you to consider this. When you think about dying, if you were going to die next week, what would you like, where would you like your headspace to be? Okay. Would you like it to be, oh, no, I've got to, you know, get that new refrigerator. (laughs) Most people would say, no, that's not what I would think. You say, how would I, what would I do? What would I be thinking? And most people, I've noticed this because of my work, would say, I wish that I had spent more time in nature. I wish I would have spent more time playing. I wish I would have spent more time with my children, with the people I love, with my friends. I... You know, maybe there's someone out there that says, I wish that I would have bought that sports car or that brand new motorcycle or, you know. I mean, most people don't wish that they would have bought something. And yet, you know, I I cringe every time I hear people say this. Retail therapy, I don't promote it. I really don't. You don't get better by buying stuff. In fact, one of the things that, you know, Margareta Magnuson talks about is that, you know, in her other book, The Gentle Art of Swedish Death Cleaning, is that, and I've been doing this, so I guess I'm kind of on top of things here, is that get rid of stuff. Stop getting stuff. You're not taking that with you and someone is going to have to go through it. Someone is going to have to find the things that maybe you don't want them finding. Someone is going to have to go through that and get rid of it. So how much stuff do you want to leave for the landfill after you're gone? How much stuff do you want to try and re, you know, re give to somebody, and so I would say retail therapy is not the best idea, because you, if you're gathering stuff to make yourself feel better, you you are just, you know, making it harder for the people you love. Now, I've found that I I don't. By stuff, I don't really. I mean, I'm still a bit of a gearhead. If a, you know, it's like my my one pack that I love. I worry that it might wear out, but we have a place here because there's so many people that do so many outside things that they they actually will try and re. You know, it's like fix those old things. I like that. But I worried that my pack will run out. Used to be that I said, well, I better go buy a new one. But now I say, I'm going to take it over there to those people. And maybe they can fix it and keep it going for me. Because I don't want to have a new pack. Because if I have a new pack, my son, my daughter-in-law, maybe my grandson, has to figure out what I'm, what they're going to do with all that gear. You know, it's like, it's good gear. What are they going to do with it? And so if I just keep keep using it and not get good new gear, unless something absolutely breaks, cannot be fixed and I need it, um, then, you know, it doesn't, it's not necessary to bring it into my house. The other thing I do, and, you know, we've all, there's books about, you know, like decluttering and all this kind of stuff. But I like the idea that you know, it's like there's death cleaning, which she calls death cleaning. You get stuff out of there so people don't have to do it for you. But there's also, we know that when people go through their stuff and get rid of their stuff, they feel better. You know, they, they feel better because they feel, I've heard people say, and I've done it too, it's like, I feel lighter. I used to have, because I, I love photography. I never really took it up professionally, but I really enjoy it. And I've always taken pretty good pictures. It took me about three weeks to get through all those pictures. You know, in the olden days, <laughs> we used to have 35 millimeter cameras or brownie cameras where my was my first one. I got it by saving up, by saving up labels from Ovaltine. (laughs) I saved up enough labels from Ovaltine to buy, to get a Brownie camera. It was my first experience. It used to have to put a little bulb in it, flash bulb, in order to make it work indoors. And I took some pictures when I was like 10. And I took pictures then, and some of those are pretty special. I still have them. But they also, you know, when color, then they used to have these places where you could go in and take your rolls of film and to get developed. And you could get two or three copies of those. I, I had bins of these pictures. It took me almost three weeks to get through every single bin, take out those pictures, decide which ones I liked which ones were important to me that I thought, well, if I look at these pictures again, I'll have happiness and joy. Um, and pictures that I thought my son would like. And I threw away most, most of the pictures. And I thought, well, what's left? Maybe he'll like, you know what? I'm going to go through those again. They call it death cleaning. Get rid of things that you don't want your family to go through. So with my mother, I mean she she died three years ago. Like I said, I was there. <clears throat> One of the things we did was my brother who's the best death cleaner I've ever known is that when my parents went on their mission, if I told you this story before you can stop me, but my parents when they were older, they were they went on a mission which is very common in the Mormon church. Um so while they were gone, uh, my brother went out on the ranch and both of my parents were kind of pack rats. He went out on the ranch and he took all the stuff that they had collected that was just trash. They would collect it, they'd put it, you've probably seen it if you've driven through countryside. Ranchers and farmers tend, son, can sometimes tend to leave the stuff that they have used sitting there. <laughs> And they get old and rot. He took all that stuff. He got a backhoe. He he dug the biggest hole ever. Deep, deep, deep. He took all that stuff and he buried it. He's one of the best death cleaners I ever saw. But there are other ways to do that. So that was one time. That she death cleaned. Another time was when she moved into assisted living. We went in and got rid of everything in that place. And she took with her the things that mattered to her the most. So that when she did die, it took us about three hours to get through all her stuff that was left. And most of it we threw away. But the things that we kept, really matter to us. Ha. There's the problem. Now it's my stuff. Now I've gotta go through and decide what do I want my son to have to deal with. So death cleaning is really important piece of that. Dying, get rid of that crap. You don't want your family you don't think about when when you're dead you really want your family having to go through And clean and trash out your place. Get rid of it now. You don't need it. There's one more thing I want to say about dying. I don't know when it will happen. Do I think it's a good idea to know when it will happen? I don't know. For me, I don't think about it. I think about living I think about what I'm going to do, where I'm going to go, who I'm going to see today, tomorrow, I don't think too far in the future. um, But I know one thing for sure about death, and that is that it's over. You take your final breath, and you are done. You are cooked. And I remember the first time I had a surgical procedure, I went under. They said, okay, now count backwards from 10. I got to nine, and I was gone. And I remember when I woke up from that, I thought, that's what dying's probably like. You don't know. Nobody knows what it's like until you experience it. But you will all experience it. I know that I will, too. And so, you know, now there are some books on aging. The Swedish art of aging exuberantly. And the gentle art of Swedish death cleaning. You could do these things without shame. Without guilt. You're going to get old. If you're lucky, you're going to get old. And for sure, you will all die. So as you're aging, think about, do I need this? Do I need that? Stop the retail therapy. Look at what you have now. And start giving instead of taking. That will help you feel better as you get older. Get those habits going now. So that when you are aging, you'll have to figure out some new ways to live. Start now. Because you could just keep doing it. You might do it less, you might do it not as well, but you'll be doing something. You'll be living, and then you'll die. Start now.
1: Thank you for listening to the Dr. Donna podcast here on the experience of the soul podcast channel. This channel is made possible because of listeners just like you. If you would like to support the channel with your tax deductible contribution on an ongoing basis or through a one-time gift, head over to experienceofthesoul.com slash support. The Dr. Donna Podcast is copyright 2023, Dr. Donna Bevanley, all rights reserved. Our theme music is composed by Dave Croft and used with permission. The Experience of the Soul Podcast channel is a production of 818 Studios.